So excited to be up here tonight and, and uh, see what God's doing. And I'm going to teach you a message that I think ties right, I know, ties right into what the Holy Spirit moves so preciously before in our worship. But my title is called No More Limitations. <laughs> no more limits in our life, amen. I believe God has blessings and favor and promotion for you. I believe he has breakthrough in your life. And, and the Holy Spirit already kind of showed my message off a little bit. But God wants to break the limits off of our life. And you know, we are the ones, unfortunately, that put limits in our mind. And not only do we put limits in our life of what God wants to do and the potential that's in our life, but I think sometimes the way that we were raised in life puts limits on us, the way maybe our parents trained us or didn't train us. And, you know, we kind of grew up a certain way. And so we limit what really God wants to do in and through our life. I remember hearing the story of a mother that would uh, every Easter, she would take a ham, and she would buy her brand new ham, and the daughter would watch, the young daughter would watch, and the mom would cut the end of one ham off, and then she'd turn around, cut the other end of the ham off. So she cut both ends off, and then she'd put the ham in the, in the pan and in the oven and would cook it. And so, um, if this keeps going in and out, just let me know. And so, uh, the daughter watched this happen year after year, and she said, Mom, why do you cut each end of the hams off? Like, is there a purpose in that? Does it make it taste better or whatever? And she said, well, I don't know. She said, my mom always did it, so I'll call my mom and find out why, you know, Grandma did it. So, she called her mom and asked, Mom, why do you always do cut both ends of the ham off and then bake it? She said, well, I don't know. My mom always did it. So the other mom happened to still be alive, and she asked her, Mom, why do you cut both ends of the ham off? You know, is there any special reason? And she said, oh, my pan wasn't big enough. <laughs> so I had to cut both ends of the ham off. And so tradition gets passed down, and it's a subconscious behavior that limits us in our life. And we may not understand why we're living in this limited life, because we need to break the boundaries of what the world has put on us, what families did or didn't put on us. And remember that you have God that breaks every limit in our life. God wants to have crazy things happen for you, amen? We serve a great big God, and he wants to put you in places that will blow your mind, because that's the God that we serve, amen? So I want God to kind of open that up on the inside of you tonight and, and uh, begin to believe God for the great things in your life. Don't limit him by what you think about yourself, or maybe your educational level, or your experience in life, or maybe you feel like you're dumb and you really can't accomplish much. I'm telling you, God has taken this girl places I would never imagine. Why? Because I've learned to put my trust in God and know God puts me in place I don't deserve to be in. Amen. He puts me in places where I may not be educated to be in. I've been in so many jobs and in situations that I should not have passed the application process. But God, because God wants to favor you. God wants to bless you. God wants to promote you. God wants to give you business ideas. And we're going to close our service praying for some businesses tonight because we have a new business launch over here and they've asked us to bless it as a church. And I'm I want to pray that blessing over you, and God wants to unlock the potential in your life, amen? Don't shut down because of the way you were raised. Maybe you were raised on the other side of the track, and you don't feel like you measure up. Everybody has something that has limits in our life, and God is breaking them, amen? 
Okay, so number one tonight, we're going to go through some scripture verses. Our minds and our thoughts are powerful. You have to understand the way that you think about yourself, the way that you see your life is the direction that you are always going to go. It's going to be the choices that you're going to make. So you have to stop and analyze what are your thoughts about yourself. And not the, I feel good, and on social media, and everybody feels good about herself during the day, right? Because you can kind of forget all the things you don't like about yourself. But I'm talking about, I always say, the real you is who's speaking at night when you go to bed. What's that real voice that's recording going on? What's that voice when you wake up in the morning and you find yourself alone? What are those thoughts that are becoming a, a, re, a recorder on the inside of you that's replaying that you're not good enough? And God's never going to give me the miracle. I'm never going to have the breakthrough. I'm never going to get married, Jesus. This crazy man's never going to leave my life, Jesus. No, if you're married, stay together. Don't break up. You're stuck together. But you understand what I'm saying? We have these thoughts on the inside of us that have become, listen, they're a subconscious thoughts. They're thoughts that we behave off of, we react off of, and we don't even realize we're doing it. How many of you have ever been driving home and you get about five minutes close to your house and you don't even remember how you got home from there on? That was on the way here. I, I just got into a new home and so I, this is kind of new traffic coming back this way. And I, next thing I know, I'm on the one-to-one and I'm going, how did I get here? And am I going the right direction? I didn't know if I went the right way on one-to-one or not because your subconscious is constantly taking over and is reacting to what the heart is feeling. So you have to say, I'm not going to just say, oh, well, my life is good. No, there's reaction behavior from how you're thinking about yourself that is limiting who God says that you really are, limiting that breakthrough and that healing in your life. So our minds and our thoughts are powerful. That's why the Bible says it's so important that we do what? Renew our minds to the word of God. Erasing those negative thoughts, erasing what maybe somebody spoke over in your life and getting the hidden word of God. I always think of the word like a great McAfee virus deprogrammer. You know, you put that virus protector on your computer and it searches and finds all the garbage. That's what the word of God does. It's going to seek and find all the negativity, all the limitations, all the lies that you think and feel about yourself, and it's going to rewrite a new code on the inside of you. It's going to rewrite that you are the head and not the tail that God is not a respecter of persons. God doesn't just bless one person because they're really spiritual and doesn't bless the other person, right? He's not a respecter of persons. You know, God wants to bless you and favor you in your life. And as you get the word of God, it's going to begin to rewrite that wrong programming. And you'll begin to see yourself do things that you never thought you'd be able to do, amen? So we must analyze our thoughts. What does Proverbs 23, 7 says this? For as a man, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. We're not going to go on with the rest of that scripture, but for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So your heart is what? It's the seat of your emotions. So how you think is who you really are. And you can pretend to be something great. You can, you know, have maybe have a really great moment in your feeling good about yourself. But what's really going on in here, it's what is either catapulting you into a great area of your life or is holding you back from that breakthrough. Amen? So when you begin to find the word of God and find the positive things of who God says that you are, you know, I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I've been made more than a conqueror and overcomer in Christ Jesus, right? When you start confessing those scriptures, you start to believe God really has the best for you. Amen? Because the world and social media is telling us all the time that we don't measure up. 
we're not good enough. My life isn't good enough. My marriage could be a little bit better, right? Wish I could go on that great vacation that somebody else went in. We've got all these limited things that are bombarding us all day long, and we've got to reroute those things with the Word of God. Who you really are is who God says that you are, your creator, amen? The one who breathed life into you is who you really are. You have God Almighty living on the inside of you. You have the creator, amen? The one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who destroyed the devil is living inside of you. You can overcome everything in your life, amen? Why? Because you can tap into the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. That's why in the morning we wake up and we pray in the Holy Ghost, right? I'm going to pray in the Holy Spirit because I'm going to stir up that vision. I'm going to stir up that business idea. I'm going to stir up my faith, amen? I'm going to stir up the God on the inside of me. And when you stir up God, you begin to have visions for what you're called to do in your life. It's good, huh? It's good because you're stirring up God thoughts. You're stirring up God dreams. You're stirring up God's possibilities instead of trying to dig through the world and get discouraged because it seems ending, doesn't it? But man, I have God living. He's my partner. He's my co-labor. He's the one I'm going to lock arms with every morning when I get up, right? And we're going to do great things in life because I have God on my side. And you need to see that too. You have God Almighty on your side. But what does the devil want to do? He wants to contain you. He wants to put you in these little bitty boxes, say, that's just enough for you. You know, maybe the last couple years brought you a place in your life you never dreamed you could be. So the devil's like, okay, let's keep him right there. He wants to limit you. He wants to limit you from your dreams, your desires, your passions, your purposes. Some of you are called in here to create wealth for the kingdom of God, amen. Some of you have business ideas that God wants to launch. You can be a vessel for the kingdom of God to a lost and dying world and have your time to build the kingdom of God. There's something on the inside of you that God wants to awaken. Amen. There's something on the inside of you, and we need to tap into what that is, and don't let the devil put you in bondage. Don't let the devil hold you back. We got to break down those walls of insignificance. We got to break down those walls of lack in our life. Amen. Our belief determines, listen to this, whether we see the glory of God in our life. How you believe determines whether you see the glory of God. And I want to open up to John 11, verse 40. And this is a story where we know Lazarus has died, right? He's uh, Mary and Martha was very troubled. They wanted Jesus to be there before he died. In John 11, verse 40 is this part of the story. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Now, let's look, break the scripture verse down a little bit. The word believe, if you would believe, that word, word believe means to think to be true, right? If, if I believe it, if I think that it's true, if I think what God says about me is true, then I'll see the glory of God, okay? That word also means to have confidence in. If I have confidence in what God says about me, if I have confidence in what his word says, not how I feel about myself, not about my past or my circumstances, not about the lies of the devil, if I have full confidence in the word of God, then I will see the glory of God. 
We've got to get this thing that we think we have to have confidence in ourselves. No, I am, I am incapable of doing anything. But in Christ Jesus, I can do all things through Christ Jesus because he gives me the strength and the capacity to do so. Amen? How many want to see the glory of God? We have to believe it to be true. And all that word also means to be committed to. Nothing's going to change my mind. I don't care what situation blows in my life. I am going to be committed to what God says. I'm not going to grow weary. I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I may have to bear my feet down and grip my teeth a little bit and maybe cry some tears. But I'm going to be committed to what God says until it comes to pass in my life. Sometimes you got to get some bulldog faith and say, you know what, devil, you may come from the right and the left, but I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. Amen. Keep our eyes. Let's get them back on Jesus. Let's quit going by the rattling sabers and the distraction of the enemy, and let's get our focus back on Christ. You are committed to the promises of God in your life until they come to pass. So what? If you believe it, you would see the glory of God. So put that scripture back up, sis. If you believe it, we think it to be true, I've got my confidence in it, and I'm committed to it, then I'm gonna see his glory. So what is the glory? The glory is the opinion of God. So let's go back. If I am committed and I have confidence and I know this is true, I'm now, when I'm committed by faith, God's gonna show me his opinion. So what does that mean? When I'm not in the word, when I'm not committed to this, I have my own opinion. But the glory of God is when I see what he says. When I see what he sees, it may not be manifested yet in my life, but I see in the supernatural his glory, his word, his promises that keep me going and not giving up. Amen? What else is his glory? His glory is his majesty. It's his glorious condition. When you are walking by faith and not by sight, and you're walking in the wisdom of God's word, God's going to show you his glory manifested in your life. Amen? He's going to show you things that don't make sense. Why would God show me a two-story building of a church 15, 20 years ago? but I'm not going to grow weary, right? I'm going to stay confident to the word of God. And now the Lord says all these years forward, hey, this is the time for that to come to pass. This is the time I'm going to favor you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to send people from the north, south, east, and west into your life to make that happen. God knows the timing of your promise. He knows when it's supposed to happen, how it's supposed to happen. He knows when the windows of favor are going to follow that open door in your life. And we want it so bad, God, I just need it. It's like sinking sand. And we're tired, and we're weary, and we're comparing ourselves to others. And God's like, if you will just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Quit fighting and grasping in the flesh to try to get something from God. No, stand still and see your Redeemer drawing nigh. Amen? That's when you call on the Holy Spirit. I'm going to quit wrestling with God. I'm going to quit getting in the flesh over it. No, I'm going to stand in the Spirit and know who I am in Christ Jesus, know whose I am and who's fighting the battle for me. Amen? You have God on your side. I want to see the glory of God. Not only just see it now to walk by faith, but I want to see it manifested in my life. Amen? It's time to see some miracles and breakthrough in our life, healings and restoration and all that God has. Our mind can't even begin to comprehend what the Lord wants to do through us. We live in this little bitty box of our life, and God is such a great big God. And he's like, if you could see what I see, 
that could blow your mind, amen? So if you can believe, he said, did I not say to you, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? I want to go down to Mark chapter 9, verse 22 through 23. Mark 9, can't remember what all I gave sweet April back there, but let me open it up really quick. Mark 9, verse 23, says this. And Jesus said to him, this is a story about a man whose son was demon-possessed, and they attempted to cast the devil out, and the demons weren't leaving the little boy. And it says in verse 23, and Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, I want to stop right there because that first part, Jesus said, if you can believe, is the same word that we read in John 11, 40. If you would believe, you'd see the glory of God. Now he's saying, if you can believe, all things are possible. If you can trust God's word, all things are possible. If you can be committed to it, even when it's discouraging, all things are possible. Amen? So it's that same word translated. And then it goes on to say in verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. So as soon as he got this word from God, he said, yes, God, I want to believe, but I have this unbelief going on. So it says in verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Listen, it's that same word, believe, that we just studied. Lord, I believe. I'm committed to this, but I've got some fears. I trust you, but God, I've grown weary while doing good. God, I know that you can deliver him, but we just tried to get him delivered, and you don't understand it didn't work. See, he was wavering between, I believe you, God, but I really can't believe you, God. So if you go on to the rest of that verse, and it says, but help my unbelief, listen to this, That word unbelief means this, unfaithfulness. He said, Lord, I believe, but I'm not worthy because I've not been faithful. God, I want to believe you, but I don't feel like I measure up or I'm spiritual enough. See, he had this inner turmoil that I want to believe that you can do this miracle, but God, I don't feel worthy of it. And that's the same thing we struggle with as humans. We want to believe, but we let the limitations of how we feel about ourselves put us in these little box, and we never really see the miracles manifest because we don't feel like we measure up. Can somebody say amen? Just to make everybody feel comfortable here tonight. Because we all feel this way. We all have felt times where we don't feel like we're worthy of what God really wants to do. And God says, I want you to take those limits off. Quit putting me in a box. Quit putting me in the way you think it can happen and watch and see what I can do by my Holy Spirit. That's why tonight I believe he showed up and broke off all that garbage so we could clearly hear. Let the Holy Spirit come in your situation. Let the Holy Spirit breathe life into what you want. Breathe life into what you're believing him for. See the Holy Spirit come into your situation and make a way where there seems to be no way. Just call upon that anointing, amen? When troubled times come, Lord, your anointing breaks every yoke of bondage in my life. Fear, insignificance, unworthiness, abandonment, failure is all the bondages of the enemy. He entraps us. He puts us in chains. He makes us feel like we're worthy and we're going to go to heaven, but we'll never see the glory of God here on earth. Amen? But we're called to see his glory. 
So we need to be like that man. Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Help me with my unworthiness, God. I'm going to rewrite, rewrite my subconscious so I can truly believe what you have for in my life. Amen? So Romans 12, 2. Let's look what this says, Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world. Stop right there. You can leave it up, sweetheart. Do not be conformed to this world. See, when we go through trials and tribulations in our life, the world responds in the flesh. The world responds in their emotions. The church shouldn't respond that way because we have the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, don't be conformed. Don't put on what the world puts on when you're going through something. We have to put on Jesus Christ. When a trouble comes, I'm going to put on Jesus and who I am. I want to put on the armor of Christ Jesus. I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to shod my feet with peace, and I'm going to take peace wherever I go. Amen. I'm going to put on the, the belt of truth. I'm going to put on Jesus Christ. I'm not going to act like the world acts. I'm not going to get in my flesh and throw on the towel. No, I am conformed in the image of Christ Jesus. I don't have to act like the world who has no hope and has no joy. I get to be like Jesus, my creator. Amen. So don't be conformed to the world. We don't have to act like the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is that renewing? The renewing is that metamorphosism. I say too many syllables, metamorphosisism. Titus is always on me, but I said the word familiarity wrong all the time. Familiarity. Did I say it right? Okay. I always say it familiarity. Does anybody ever say it that way? Thank you. It's wrong, just so you all know. It's wrong. It's familiarity. Familiarity. See, I can't even say it. I can't say it. I listened to that on Webster like a hundred times. How they, I can't say it. So anyway, you're stuck with familiarity. It's what it is in my book. So metamorphosism. Metamorphosism is transformation, right? We have to change the way we think. It's not going to happen overnight. The way that you're used to responding in anger and frustration, it has to be transformed by how? The renewing of the word of God. The word of God is the only thing that's going to change the behavior of how you respond to the situation. And if you think that that uh, butterfly, and I've told this story before, but the butterfly is in that cocoon, and it's a really tight place. You know, it's woven in there very tight, and the butterfly will begin to use the wings that it has transformed on the inside, but nobody can see on the outside yet. See, God does a thing on the inside before you come to the outside. We're like, God, let me shine. God, give me favor. And God's like, I need some transformation to go on first, right? I need you to go through a little metamorphosis. I need to renew your mind. I need to get rid of some fear and failures and some junk from the past. And in that season, it might be a little tight and uncomfortable. See, we're in that metamorphosis. When we're changing, we're crucifying our flesh because our flesh wants to behave and react, right? But I want to act in the image of Christ Jesus. So God now has got us in this cocoon, and we don't like it. And there was a story of that man that walked up and saw a little butterfly struggling, you know? It kind of cracked open a little bit, and it was struggling to get out. And, and the man thought, well, I'm going to help this poor little butterfly. So he tore open the cocoon when it was on the ground, and the butterfly flopped out and kind of you know, flew a little bit and then just laid there dormant. And what the man didn't understand is that the butterfly required the struggle because every time it fought to get out, strength was going into its wings. 
And without the struggle, without the fight, without the frustration, it would never be able to fly into its new purpose. So quit trying to get out of it. Just say, God, I'm getting stronger. God, I'm going to fly big. I'm going to be the prettiest little butterfly out there. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to have the brightest colors. Thank you, God. I don't know what you're doing, but thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to grow weary. I'm going to soar and do and be what you called me to be. Amen? Because that is the God that we serve. Somebody praise him. Amen? He hasn't abandoned you because you're struggling. He hasn't forgotten you. You haven't lost favor. He's requiring the struggle to be the next season of what you're called to be and do. Amen? So renewing is what? It's again and again. It's a, it's a new thing. God's doing a new thing. Amen? I think DC Talk had a song like that song. No, he's doing it. You know what I mean? Oh, he's doing a new thing. No, he's doing it. Do you know it, Mike? He's just in for the song. He's just like, I'm just, I'm just down for it. God is doing a new, you know it, Titus. Okay, awesome. God's doing a new thing in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Out with the old, in with the new, God. Out with the old stinking thinking, and I'm coming in with the new joy of the Lord, amen. I don't want the same thing next year. I don't want to be in the same place I am today, next year. I want to be in a new place, amen. I want God to renew me. It means a renovation is going on. God's rearranging some furniture on the inside of you, amen. A transformation, a restoration. That word renewing means a change of heart. Heart. God wants to change your heart on the inside of us, amen, where we've been hurt and maybe abused or abandoned or whatever it is. God says, I want to renew that. I want to restore back your joy and your love and your trust again so that when I can do that, you can be who I've called you to be. That word renewing means a complete change for the better, hallelujah, an adjustment, listen, of moral or spiritual vision. When you're in this struggle, God's adjusting the moral compass in your life. That's a good thing, huh? He's adjusting your spiritual vision in your life. God is doing a new thing, amen? The rest of that verse goes on to say, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And once that happens, you're going to prove to everybody what is the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Amen. God's going to cause you to shine. God will fight your battles for you and open the doors for you because he is such a good, good God. Amen. All right. Number two, we are the only ones who can limit God. We are the only ones. God isn't limiting himself. The devil can't take it from you. We are the only ones. In Psalm 78, verse 41, it says this. And they, turn, uh, uh, they turned back, yes, again and again, they tempted God. This is the children of Israel. Again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They were the only ones who held God back. Why? Because they murmured and complained and were frustrated and were discouraged and was pointing the blame to everybody else, amen? And because of that, they put a line where God is not able to cross. That's what happens when you limit God in how you feel. God's right here, you're on the other side, and God can't move until you come on the other side of faith. We limit God. God, where are you? Why aren't you here for me? Why don't I have that breakthrough? Why am I not getting that miracle? And God's like, because your faith. Because you're limiting me. You're frustrated and you're complaining and you're murmuring and you're growing weary and trying to handle it in the flesh and I'm not in all of that. Amen? I wasn't at some of your houses this week. I'm just saying 
<laughs> Maybe it was at my house, and I know how that feels. <laughs> so, okay, let's keep going. They limited the Holy One. Listen, we can never exhaust God's resources. You can never exhaust God's resources or his power in our life. You can never exhaust it. God has so much. The Bible says his, he has a cattle, on a, a thousand, cattle on a thousand hills, and cattle ranchers are rich. God has it all, amen? You cannot limit God in your life, but we limit him by turning our back on him. It is God who calls us to do things bigger and better than ourselves, amen? He wants us to be blessed, to be a blessing. He wants the overflow so that he can flow through you in your life. Now, I want to go to Numbers 13 really quick here tonight. Numbers 13, and uh, many of us know this story. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, chapter 13. We're going to be doing uh, some, something new on Wednesday nights coming in 2020. Um, I've been talking with the pastors and elders, and my heart is to really uh, equip you guys in the word on Wednesdays. And we bring really good messages and all of that and exhort you on Wednesdays, and I love it. But we really want to bring more of a depth of a Bible study on Wednesday nights, almost like a Bible college kind of training. And so we're putting this together right now to do things like uh, the study of Paul and his journey, his missionary journey, and what he did and where he went and where he ended up in his life. And so uh, Wednesday nights are going to be more of a Bible college kind of setting. We're going to have you bring your Bibles and your notebooks, and we're going to give you curriculum, and it's a night where we want to take Christians into a deep maturity of the Word. Doesn't that sound great? We want to take you mature, not, not just a nice message, a pump in the arm, but really take us deep into God's Word and study some deep things. And so we're really excited about that, and I know you guys will be behind that 100%. All right, so let's go quickly into Deut- Deuteronomy Numbers 13, verse, I think I said verse 23 is where I want to start. Um, This is where they were taking over the promised land. They were just viewing it from the outside and about to go in. And then the spies went in and were checking out the land. Verse 23, and they came to the valley of Eshaw, and they cut down a branch, listen to this, with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole, and they also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. So let's break this down a minute. They had sent in spies to check out the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. The whole reason they were in the wilderness was because of the promised land. And the spies went in, and the first place they come to is this scripture verse right here. They find one cluster of grapes. Now, how many go to the grocery store, and you can pretty well pick up one cluster of grapes? It's like, you know, maybe six or something. One cluster of grapes in the promised land took two men on a pole to carry it out. So here they go in, right, and they see the blessings of God. They see the incredible overflow, something they've never seen before in their life, right? They brought some of that blessing back out, and then what else happened to them? In verse 27, it says this, Then they told him when they came back out and said, We went to the land where you sent us, and guess what? It really does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. In other words, what you said has come to pass. But what was the next word that came out of their mouth in verse 28? Nevertheless, I see all these blessings. I see these huge graves. I see what God talked about as we walked 40 years in this wilderness, you know, starving and and angry and everybody frustrated. But I see it, but guess what? I don't feel worthy. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and they're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak 
there. What are they saying? The people way, were way much bigger than we were. Verse 29, the Am- Amicalites dwell in the land of the south and the Hittites. Okay, we don't need to do that one. Go to verse 31. We'll continue to go down. Is that the one that I want? I'm sorry, guys. I should just tell the story so I don't have to read it. But okay. But the men who have gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land when they spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom you saw are in it are men of great stature. There we saw giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. So he's saying, I see the blessings, God, but the people are way much bigger than we are. There's giants in the land. And not only do we see ourselves as grasshoppers, but they thought they see us like grasshoppers too. They saw themselves defeated, and they couldn't see the victory. And God wants you, as he's taking you into the promised land, yeah, the enemy's going to seem big. He's going to seem like a bully. He's going to scream really loud in the promised land. But you have to see that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You have to be like Caleb and said, wait a minute, they may be big, but our God is bigger. Our God is greater. Amen. Let's not be afraid of the enemy. God has empowered us to overtake the enemy. And do you know that the journey of the children of Israel was only supposed to take 11 days? 11 days from slavery to the promised land. And it took them 40 years. A whole generation died off never seeing the goodness of God. And even when God opened up to a generation the promises, they only saw themselves worthless. They only saw themselves defeated already. Why should we go back and even take what belongs to us because we'll be destroyed in the process? God wants us to reroute that, amen? The Bible says in number three, we must change our mindset to agree with God. Change your mindset to agree with God's word. John, 3 John 1, 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper and be in health in all things, just as your soul prospers. This is what God wants for you. This is God's will for our life, amen? A well soul is one that realizes that God has no limits. I want to share this last scripture verse to you. I'm going to skip Romans, honey, and go to Deuteronomy. All of you know this, the story of Abraham. And now he was promised a son. And of course, old age set in. The Bible says he never counted his, own, his old age against God's promise. He never lost his faith because his age didn't line up with what God said. You can't worry about what your circumstance looks like to what God has promised you. It doesn't matter. When God says something, he will fulfill it. Quit worrying about what doesn't measure up, amen, and trust God. And the most wonderful thing about Abraham is in Deuteronomy 34, 7, says Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. 
when God's grace is in your life, the Bible says you'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not faint. You'll fly like the wings of eagles. You're gonna soar on wings, amen? When you have the Holy Spirit in you, he died as a young man of natural age, but he did not have any weariness or, or weak eyesight. This is when God is in your life, amen? Jeremiah says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and of a hope. God thinks good things about you. God thinks great things about you. God isn't trying to beat you on the head and tell you you're unworthy and you're never going to be anything. He loves you and he thinks good things about you. Psalms 139 says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made and that my soul knows very well. Amen that my soul knows very well. You all are overcomers here tonight, amen? Let's take the limits off. Let's take the fear off. Let's take the unworthiness off. And let's receive all that God has for us, amen? Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet tonight. Father, we thank you that you are breaking the limits off of our life. You already have tonight, God. But I thank you tonight that you're igniting their faith. You're igniting their belief system, Lord God. I thank you that you're going to give them dreams and visions of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, that you're going to open up heaven and you're going to begin to allow them to see visions, Father God, and, and to hear the goodness of, your, of their future, Father God, and the plan that you've laid out for them, Father God, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper in the name of Jesus. And every tongue that speaks against them shall be defeated before them in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that this is an awakening night, awakening of purpose and destiny. Jesus, Jesus' name.